Fellowship. Um, if you're visiting with us, we're super glad you're here. My name's Jamie, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship, a church that we planted uh, quite a number of years ago. I would betray my age if I told you how long ago it's been. <laughs> About 21 and a half years. So, it's uh, a volume... There we go. I'm trying to... Is it, is it on? Is it working? Okay, if you would open your Bibles to uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 30. We're going to do kind of a bit of a lengthy reading here this morning, do this together. And uh, we're working through a five-part series on Paul's letter to the Ephesians, uh, excuse me, the Philippians, and calling it Peace in Relationships. And I'll explain a little bit about what that's about in just a moment. Um, well, I'll go ahead and say it. So Paul... One of the things he was, one of the reasons he was writing this letter was because there were two ladies in the church named uh, Euodia and Syntyche, and they were having a little spat. They were having an argument that was actually kind of causing a disruption in the church. And so Paul's writing because they'd sent him a gift. He's in prison at the time, but he's also writing to to help bring peace to these, these women and peace in the church. And when you know that, then you, as you read through the Scripture, as you read through Philippians, you're like, oh, wow, I can see that. I can see what he's talking to. I can see what he's talking about as he's working his way through this letter. So let's read it together. Father, bless the reading of your word, we ask. Give us light today in Jesus' mighty name. And just as we're reading, you guys, the most important thing that you could see or hear or know or walk out of here with, period, is a greater understanding of Jesus Christ who is the revelation of God. That's who we're looking for. That's the lens that we're looking through as we read the the, the Scriptures together. Okay? Here we go. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, he's in jail, what has happened to me has really served to advance the Gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Because of my chains... Most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the Word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the Gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. And I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and die, to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is necessary for you that I remain in the body. And convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. And so whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, 
I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This will be a sign to them that they will be destroyed and that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to, to believe on Him, but also to suffer for Him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Okay. Amen. Lord, bless the reading of Your Word today. You know, last week we talked about having vision in the midst of relational trials. So we called it the vision challenge. And when you're in the middle of a struggle in a relationship, it's very important to have a picture of what, of where this relationship should go, of a vision of how it can work out. And so we talked about living life in dependence on Jesus Christ, having our absolute reference point as Jesus, and expecting our love for one another to be ever-increasing. That's Paul's prayer. That's the way he finished that thing. This is my prayer for you, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that's kind of... And, you know, when you think about Yodi and Syntyche, it's easy to kind of see the, how he's working peace through that first section. And for me, it's easy to see how he's working for peace through the second section. And I'm calling this the circumstances challenge because a lot of times what happens to us is that we think, man, you know, this is, an, this is the worst time I've ever been in, in my life. This is an incredible challenge. How can I work through these circumstances? I can't focus on having peace with somebody because it's so hard in my life right now. And so, in that way, Paul's going to be able to speak a word to us. Um, he's in jail. You know, not, nobody's in jail this morning. Um, but uh, he's going to be able to speak something that's encouraging. And so, you know, there are a lot of things that challenge our peace in relationships when it comes to circumstances. Wouldn't you agree? I need to ask better questions. I'm going to take, take that one. What about finances? Finances challenge peace in relationships. What's the number one cause of divorce in America? It's all connected to finances. That's what I've heard. Financial things, not enough money. What about a circumstance like somebody moves away? You know, and you're not quite fully, you don't have full peace. We talked about this in our life group the other night. Somebody moves away, it's, it's hard to work the thing out, right? If somebody moves away, that's a, that's a challenge, a circumstantial challenge. Or maybe there's an offense. Anybody ever been offended? <laughs> I'm going to keep pulling you guys in today. An offense, or maybe it's an injustice. It really is not just like your matter of opinion. It was real injustice that was done to you, and it makes it hard to have peace in a relationship, right? Um, someone maybe uses, uh, has used power or authority against you in some way that brought, uh, made it hard to have peace in a particular relationship. What about a loss? A loss of a job or a child? Those are hard things, aren't they, in relationships? They create great struggle, great anxiety and stress and pressure, loss of a child, loss of a friend, issues with, I know this is it's turning into a big bummer, but I, I want to pull us in to go, hey, we all struggle with this stuff. Uh, issues with children, that can be a stress point. Issues with parents can be a stress point, Right? 
Maybe, you, uh, you, maybe you've gotten into a situation that reminds you of some terrible pain in the past, and so we get into this new relationship and it reminds us of something that happened there, and all of a sudden we find ourselves reacting you know, in some way that does not fit the situation. Ever done that? You're like, ah, oh, ah, oh. What was that? Well, it was something that happened back here, you know, and somebody did something or said something. I was in uh, the uh, core meeting the other night, and, and Heidi was so honoring of her dad. I mean, she really she was like, I had a great dad. And he said this one thing in passing when I was a little girl, and like he went on and loved me for the rest of, it's like, I love my dad, but he said this one thing about comparing her to her sister, and it became this little deal in her life, right? I mean, just a, a wound. And that's how we... Just we have stuff that happened back there in our lives somewhere and all of a sudden in relationships we get in that same situation and boom, you know, they're not, Laura's not Laura. Laura becomes my mom, or, <laughs> right? Is that weird? Okay, so those are situations. Those are uh, circumstances. What about bad habits? I'm going to get to good stuff in just a minute. Bad habits. So if you sit around and watch TV all day, is that going to hurt your relationships? It's going to be hard to have peace in relationships. Mike, pay attention to me, please. You know, that's going to be hard, right, to work through stuff. Mike's awesome. Mike only watches the appropriate amount of television. I know. Okay. Or you're abusing something. You know, alcohol, drugs, you know, sin issues, disappointments with others, all those things can make it hard, and it's all fueled, all those external circumstances are fueled by our brokenness inside. You know, that we are people that need to be redeemed by Jesus Christ. We need that new life kind of living out more and more. It's there in Jesus. You know, when, we, we, when we're born again, we receive this life. It's absolutely incredible, you know, but it's a process of living this thing out that we get to see Jesus more and more in our in our experience. So expectations. Let me just give you a little story. I was talking with someone the other day and uh, she was saying she had a, uh, this is a while back, had a, had, a, had a birthday and was expecting her husband to do some special things on her birthday. Well, there was a church event that day that was real kind of big time focused church event and uh, so she kept, they were going, they're driving to the church event thing and and just expecting, you know, her husband to just pull out the stops just any moment. It was going to be great, you know, streamers and hat and she was, I, I'm just filling the blanks in there. But she said, I was expecting him to do something and it didn't happen. And because my expectation was like this and that didn't happen, then all of a sudden, just even going to get a cup of coffee turned into a, this place of tension because of my unmet expectation. Peace and relationships, right? You know, and sh she told me that story and it just opened up for me a whole other genre. How many times are we trying to do something good? You know, actually trying to do something good. Here, let me just give you a hypothetical. <laughs> hypothetical. You're going on a date with your wife. Just hypothetical. And somehow, instead of talking about how much you love each other and stuff like that, all of a sudden the conversation turns to something serious, like work, church, ministry. And, and all of a sudden, this date goes from like happy date land to like, why are we even out? Let's finish this. And, you know, 
just hypothetical, just throwing that out, <laughs> out there. End up arguing, you know. And so, uh, Paul is addressing something real uh, important here for these women. There's a circumstance, and he starts by telling a story about himself being in prison, the pressure that he's going through, the people that are coming against him, and how he's walking this thing out in a way that brings honor and glory to Christ. There's an opportunity here for them to learn some stuff. And rather than circumstances shutting him down or hurting him, God, for all of us, wants these things to be opportunities for us. And that's the win for today. If you come out of here going, yeah, we all go through hard stuff, and it can be an opportunity for growing in relationships and not just shutting down, pulling back, reacting, all those kinds of things that happen. Here's the main thing. God wants us to see that difficult circumstances are an opportunity for peace and unity in relationships. So we're kind of learning from Paul today. Through Paul's uh, circumstances, number one, God wants us to gain perspective. Okay, so right off the bat, that first paragraph, he says, look, What's happened here is it's not, it's not shutting things down. It's actually advancing the gospel. I'm in jail. People know it's for Jesus Christ. They're getting all fired up to go out and speak the Word of God fearlessly, courageously, boldly. And, and so he's getting a perspective about who he is. Uh, down in verse 18 he says, the main thing for me, and he's, lear he's learned this through this process, is that Christ is preached. And because of this, I can rejoice. In fact... You know, my perspective is that Christ is going to be exalted in my body, living or dying, Jesus Christ gets the glory, no matter what I do. Now, that's, that's, that's great perspective, right? Christ is preached, and uh, how does God want us to get perspective as we are walking through our different trials? How can we learn from Paul? You know, what am I going through? Hard thing, had to work through it, maybe had to humble myself, had to go to them, had to go to them again, had to go to them four times. God's still honored, God's still glorified. Maybe it was really hard. Um, how many of you guys know the name Bryce Petty? He's a, he's a quarterback for the, uh, for the Baylor Bears. Quarterback for the Baylor Bears. And uh, he was actually on the Bears team so he was a quarterback at Middle Othian High School, just south of here at Fort Worth in Dallas. Great quarterback, went down there to Baylor, going to play. But Robert Griffin, I almost said Robert Gotcher. <laughs> but Robert Griffin, Robert Griffin III was the quarterback. And so he's on the bench waiting behind Robert Griffin. He's kind of frustrated. He said, I was frustrated, I was cocky, I thought I should be playing. And then after Robert Griffin goes to the second pick in the NFL, then in behind him is our buddy, Nick Florence. All right, give it up for Nick. And Nick plays quarterback that, that, that year and just does a great job. And so Bryce Petty sits on the bench for 1,756 days between quarterback starts in high school and his next start, like five years. Okay? And he said, in that time of waiting even though he caused frustration in relationships and all that kind of stuff, he said, God grew me up. And I think he really got a hold of his heart. God grew me up. He matured me so that I could actually be a leader and not a selfish person on this team. Isn't that powerful? It helped him to gain uh, perspective. So that's the first piece there with Paul. We gain perspective, or we can. We have that opportunity. 
That's what he wants us to see. The next one here is a big deal. Through Paul's circumstances, God wants us to learn by example. Learn by example. So, he says, hey, and, and look at what he's saying here. He says, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. So, he's, he's saying, what's happening to him is that some people are preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry and selfish ambition. Now, I want to just bring up an idea here about Paul, and it's what he's doing here. This is called indirect learning, where he wants Euodia and Syntyche to learn something. But it's going to be a whole lot more helpful. How many of you guys find it more helpful to hear a story and apply that to your own life rather than going, Yancey, you should, you ought to, and you, you need to change? Okay, now, amen. We learn better indirectly. And so Paul's going, yeah, I'm in prison. There's people preaching, you know, out of envy and rivalry and selfish ambition. He's touching now on the issues that are going on in the church in Philippi with these, with these, uh, with these leaders, with these lady leaders. Touching on those issues. And, you know, it's, it's a powerful thing. Uh, what does it look like? I'll tell you. Um, when our kids were little, when Emily was, she's sitting right there, and uh, she's been married eight weeks and one day now. <laughs> and we have some other newlyweds in the room, too, over here on the side. I'll give it up for David. And uh, so, um, uh, when she was a little girl, and Matthew was a little guy, um, sometimes the kids would, uh, they don't do this hardly anymore. This might be a direct, indirect opportunity learning time right now. But the kids would run around the building. And I mean run like at angles where their bodies are, you know, just, you know, and they're just pu putting a leg down. Just, they're flying, you know, and people are standing around talking and everything. And I'm like, oh my goodness, somebody, you like step in and somebody's going to get hurt. And you know, run across this thing, you know, and so be, bam, 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 and people are talking and stuff. And so I would, in front of the other parents, get Emily, whether she, you know, she was running or not, and sit down and I would go, now, hey, sweetie, um, if we run like that, or if we run like that, somebody's going to get hurt. And so we need to not run. You know, that's kind of an indirect... Does that make sense? What I'm, anybody ever done that? You, you're teaching your children, but you can't really grab somebody else's kid and say, you're going to kill somebody, stop it! But you can encourage your own child, you know, and there's some indirect learning going on there. I hope that wasn't like offensive or bothersome. It's like really quiet. Um, yeah. Oh, the other one was the, the mic. Did somebody get him off the stage? <laughs> And so the reality, though, you guys, is we do learn by example. And we, we need people to incarnate what God's really like so that we can see. Who hasn't learned just from watching somebody else, watching Dennis as he has a pastoral gift and knows how to visit people in the hospital? I've learned from Dennis watching him while we walked through all that stuff with Chris, you know. And, you know, I've learned from Jimmy down in Waco just, just how to love people. And, and we need examples like that. We need examples in our lives to help us 
to, to know what looking like Jesus looks like. I mean, all through this letter, Paul is saying, follow me. He's not just it's, he's saying Jesus, but he's saying, follow my example, like I follow Jesus. The main thing he's saying here is that Christ is the one who gets the glory in my life. He's the one preached. There is a way forward, and we don't have to keep acting this way with envy, with rivalry, with selfish ambition. The third piece, then, through Paul's circumstances, God wants us to learn to make necessary choices. Learn to make the necessary choices. And that's, you know, this, this next little section here is uh, some of the most famous in the New Testament. I mean, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I mean, that's, that's refrigerator stuff if there ever was. I mean, that's... And it, and it really uh, sums up a lot of what the Christian life is. We live by the life of Jesus Christ in the Spirit and in the love of the Father. Okay, that's, that is our life. Our life is lived by Jesus, you know, in the Spirit. And so, but here's what's really going on. It's not just that he's making that bold declaration, Christ's going to be glorified in my body for to me to live as Christ. What's really going on here is they are concerned that, you know, we have these great sermon conversations, Yancey and I do, and, and his nugget for me this last time, he was like saying, uh, he's like, prison... Back in the first century, prison wasn't somewhere you went after you got sentenced. Okay, prison was what you did while you were waiting for judgment. And then judgment was you live, you die, or you're exiled. Hey, what's coming up in your trial? <laughs> I'm going to live, die, or be exiled. Hey, what about you? You know, I'm going to live, die, or be exiled. Those are the choices. Okay, you get to live. You get to die. Prison's just what you're doing while you're waiting for the judgment to happen. That's why a lot of people died while they were waiting for their judgment because they didn't have people like Paul did shipping in goods and supplies and food and that kind of thing, clothes for him. So he's, he's waiting for this uh, judgment to happen. And the people in Philippi knew well that one of Paul's options was to stand there in front of the judge and just go... Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, you know whatever, they, whatever the sentence was. Those bullets, wasn't bullets. But it was, um, it, they, would have, they would have killed him. Like beheaded him. Well, they, something like that. Okay, so they knew that that was an option. And Paul is saying to them, no, I'm going to be with you again. And here's the peace in relationships part. It's the choice to choose other people instead of staying in our difficulties. I'm choosing you over this circumstance. I'm choosing you over what might be a glorious end. You know, I'm going to choose you. That's the, that's the deal here. That's what Paul's saying to them, that I'm going to be back with you again. I'm going to choose you and continue with all of you. I'm going to remain, even though dying would be better by far to be with Jesus. I know that I'm going to remain with you for your progress and your joy in the faith. You know, and when I'm with you again, it's going to be, uh, your joy is going to overflow because of us getting to, getting to do that. And it's, it's, a, it's a contrast to us giving up or choosing some other way to choose people, to choose the joy of the other person. Um, what does that look like? Think about 
any kind of relationship where you, it might be, uh, it might, uh, here's one. A young mom has been working hard with the kids all day. She doesn't know what's going on with her husband. Maybe they haven't had a chance to talk. He gets there and she says, take these kids, I've had it. Now, I'm not saying that's not an option, but I am saying choose the joy of the other person. Maybe find out, you guys communicate, how's each other's day going? It's not default just to say, take these, I'm out of here. Okay, maybe he's, had a, maybe he's had a hard day. Man, I know it's quiet right now. Woo! Just, just a thought. And guys, let me hear a female amen. And, and, and guys, be sensitive to what's going on with your wife who's maybe been, you know, if she's there with the kids all day, what, how's she feeling? How's it going? How can I help? How can I serve? How can... I express love for you. How can I work for your progress and joy in the faith? Yeah, amen. So, then number four is that God, God wants us to stand together. To stand together. So, He says, whatever happens, you guys, I've, I've given you some examples. I've shown you the big picture here. I've talked about my own life, how I've worked through these things. I'm choosing you guys and whatever happens, stand together. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel so that you're standing as one person, as one man, you know, in unity together, with peace in your hearts. It's a, now he's getting a little stronger in his exhortation. And what he wants them to get is what we all have to get. You know, it's not just about Paul and the Philippians. It's so totally about us right now is that we are not the enemy. I'm not the enemy, no matter what happened with authority or your father or what. I'm not your enemy. And no one in the church is your enemy. There is an enemy who wants to destroy our souls. And he loves it when we're not at peace with one another. There is an enemy. And we aren't the enemy. I'm not. You're not. James isn't. You know, Aaron's not. Just put faces, real faces on people. We're not. We're not. We're, we're, everyone you see here and everyone you see out there is someone to love. If they've got flesh and blood, then they're not the enemy. They're someone that Jesus Christ died for and gave His life for. And that is the truth of the kingdom of God. Now, we have trouble working that whole thing out sometimes, politics and everything, but that's the truth. One of my favorite stories from, uh, I heard this a long time ago. It's a church in the 1880s. And a uh, little country church. And it was the only church for miles and miles and miles. They got a little building, you imagine a little white uh, building, wood frame building. And uh, something happened and there became an issue. An issue in the church that eventually started dividing people. Because there's only one church, there was no place to go. They couldn't go down the street or somewhere else. They couldn't, I'm had it, I'm out of here. So they did the best thing they could. The next best thing was they started sitting on different sides of the aisle. We make it kind of hard here because there's not even an aisle. I guess you could sit on this side or that side. 
But they started sitting on different sides of the aisle, and that wasn't enough because it didn't fully it didn't fully get to the heart of how deep their animosity was over this whatever the issue was. And so they had a wood pile that was up there that people would go throw wood in the stove during winter, and they decided that they needed to start separating the wood pile based on where people stood on the issue. And so you could only, you know, you're both not only the aisle but also the wood the, the, the wood pile. And so the teenagers of this little small country church thought this was ridiculous. And so out on the wood, uh, out on the uh, outhouse, out back, they painted in big black letters, one Lord, one faith, two wood piles. <laughs> to make a pretty strong prophetic point. Is that we don't, we're supposed to stand together in the gospel. We stand together. And uh, because... Stuff's coming against us. It's even been granted for us to, to suffer, to go through uh, hard things. And either we learn to stand together or we will try to get away from standing together by doing something different which will just almost ensure that you'll get to do the same thing over again somewhere down the line. Isn't that great? Just good news, man. Just... You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> so, it, like, you're going around the mountain and you say, no, I don't want to take that path of growth. I want to just keep doing it the way I was doing it. It's easier this way to avoid it, to go, to leave, to run, to whatever, to not face the situation. And then we're almost guaranteeing that we get to face the situation again. We'll go around the mountain again at some point later and we'll just be a little older and still trying to get that lesson that we, were trying, we needed to get about relationships earlier in life. So how do we move forward on this? You know, rather than be shut down in our relationships, shut down in church life, we need, there's a few questions to ask. You might make notes of a few of these questions, but just what is God trying to teach me through this relational trial that I'm going through right now? What's God doing? What's God doing in my heart, or some of the listening prayer questions that we ask. You know, Father, what is this really about? What's this about? What am I believing here in this relationship? You know, so sometimes as we just pray and listen, we'll quickly hear that I'm believing some crazy lie, you know, that they're out to get me. Well, that's not the truth. They're not out to get me, you know, or uh, I can't do it good enough to please them. Is that true or is it a lie? You know, is there something that I'm supposed to learn here from Paul just going through this, the big picture, uh, how, to, how to perceive difficult uh, situations, choosing others, standing together in the gospel, are there choices that I need to make? Do I need to choose others in this situation that I find myself in? And I, I'm saying this in general terms because I, I can't, in every single person around this room, everybody's had some kind of relational touch point where you know what I'm talking about. Either you've been in it, you're in it, or you will be. And so these skills that we're talking about, this is how to live life in Jesus Christ. Paul's trying to help us to figure this stuff out. Are there choices that need to be made? Am I committed to standing with my brothers and sisters? And you know, you guys, in the U.S. context, 
because there's so many choices, one of the choices that we face is, am I going to stand or am I going to hit the eject button? You read, you know, and just go somewhere else where it's easier, where I don't have to work through the stuff. You know, and it is, you know, church, it's not, it's like the end that God's going for. He wants a people that are, their, their hearts are committed to Him and, and it's just this bride at the end of the story, this bride, new heavens, new earth, and living in a life of love in Jesus' presence forever. But you know what? He uses this to get us ready for that end. You can't get there in maturity without having to work through relational stuff over and over and over. You think like maybe ad nauseum, but it's like, it's just, it's part of it. It's learning to be sensitive, to not be selfish, to not be trying to be first all the time. It's, it's uh, going low, working through our stuff and saying, hey, let's, you know, and when two people love Jesus and they share His life together, when we sit down face to face, it's amazing what happens. Doesn't mean everything works out 100% of the time. I know you've got your stories, but, and I've got, I've got a couple myself, but mostly when we sit down to work things out, things get worked out. Just that's, that's the way it is. Now, this commitment is going, if you do this, one thing I can promise is suffering. Man, talk about a not popular message in the United States of America, and yet, if you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you're going to go through some hard stuff. There's persecution along the way. There's suffering along the way. Somebody was talking to me the other day and just like, there's no suffering in America. I'm like, time out. I would not keep doing everything that I'm doing if it wasn't for Jesus Christ and the Gospel. We cut through hard stuff, man. Like, let me do, I don't know, something else. And I'm not there right now. Praise the Lord. But I would be, you wouldn't be understanding what it is to do this if you didn't understand that there's suffering along the way, that there's somebody laying their life down for Jesus for the church to move forward. In fact, Paul says that in Colossians 1. He says it's through our sufferings that Jesus Christ is made more fully visible to the world around us. And part of that suffering is in our relationships. Just working through stuff. Working through hard things. I was reflecting this past week. I've had five friends that I know personally that have been in jail for Jesus Christ. It's because we're all over the world. Not in jail here, but five different friends, and, and some a little bit longer than others. Longer you know, times in prison. And, and, uh, and I don't think any of them would say that's the most suffering they've been through for Jesus Christ. You know, it's the relational stuff. It's, it's family. It's rejection. And if you, don't, if you make a stand and you don't think that there's going to be rejection, you know, it's, it's like, it's going to happen. You have to work through that stuff along the way. Paul's letting us know. He's letting us in on it. He says, still... Though, things will work out. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. You can have this kind of perspective even from prison. Even in the midst of difficult relationships where it's, you're just going, oh, I need to find peace. And as we look to Jesus, following the example of Paul, that's what's in front of us. We can gain perspective. We can see that 
wow, you know, there's, there's stuff for me to learn in the midst of this. There's choices for me to make. There's people for me to stand with, to lock, to lock arms with on the journey. And because they're not my enemy, the enemy is real. And he's out there and he's coming against us. And he wants us to be, you know, divided against one another rather than locked up arm in arm with one another. Okay? So stand up. And uh, I want us to just spend a little time in ministry here today um, just responding to the Lord. And it's, it's like this, you guys. Um, there's always an opportunity, right? We, we do this every Sunday. If you're visiting with us, it's, it, we'll have ministry people up here at the front. The band's going to play a, a song. But uh, take advantage of this moment right here. Take advantage of this opportunity to, uh, to, you know, to, to respond to the Lord. Am I seeing what's going on in this relational situation? Am I, uh, is there something I need to learn, even indirectly from Paul? Father, give me a learner's heart. Am I really ready right now today to say yes to Jesus Christ? To say, yes, I want in all the way. I want to commit my... I want Jesus to be exalted in my life. No matter what happens in this body. No matter what happens. Life, death, whatever. Am I ready to stand with other people for the long haul? For the Gospel? Standing in unity? And letting this be a place where, where, uh, where we stand against the enemy's schemes against us. So... Um, Lord, I just ask that You'd meet us right now. Lord, give us grace to respond in our hearts right now with all that we are. Give us grace to say yes to You. I just want to say, you guys, I don't know what's going on. Just Everybody's in different places this morning. But don't leave today without getting help. If you, if you need some prayer, get somebody to agree with you in prayer. If you need prayer for healing, prayer for finances, just or there's something about relationships going on, come get prayer. If you need pray, to say this prayer, like, I want to go with you, Jesus. I want to live my life. Get somebody to pray with you. You guys, come on as we sing this song. We love you, Lord. We need you. God, meet us. Meet us today. Don't miss. Please don't leave without... There's something you need to get prayer about. Go for it.